The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should consider obtaining independent advice before making any financial decisions. This week on Stockhead, it's my pleasure to speak with Steve McGovern. Steve McGovern is the second largest shareholder. He's the founder. He's the CEO of Dubba. And earlier this month, Telstra came out, or Dubba and Telstra came out with an announcement um, in relation to a pretty significant contract. This caught my eye. When I first looked at Dubba, I thought it's uh, just a, a, a core recording company. But after lifting the lid on this, it's a very, very interesting story. I've asked Steve to come in today into the studio to lift the lid on Dubba. Welcome, Steve. Thank you very much. Pleasure. So, Steve, uh, you started Dubba as one of the founders back in 2011. As oh. I understand it, Dubba, which is ASX code D-U-B, was listed on the ASX in 2015. Cast your mind back to how you looked at the state of the opportunity back then in 2015 and where we are today. It, very different in, in, in many respects. So the, the company's technology is based really on a requirement that I had in another business. So we were actually doing some work in the telecommunications sector and the major uh, service providers were asked to uh, start recording the entirety of all their calls rather than just the contracted part of, say, a mobile call. And so a business that we had was caught up in that, had a requirement to record calls. We were presented with some options for our on-premise phone system. They were expensive. They were clunky. They didn't really deliver any data that was usable. You had to go and find it. And we thought we can do better than this. So we, we had the much lower ambition at the time of putting a hosted call recording platform together and selling it to uh, like, like-minded companies who maybe were providing sales uh, consulting work for someone like Optus. So it was a very low ambition to start with until we built the, the proof of concept. Steve, my sincere apologies for overlooking Dubber. Um, like I, I said in the intro, when I first looked at the company, I thought it was quite simply just a, a, a call recording system. It was really once I noticed uh, some of the you know, notable mid-cap investors, groups like Thorny, Technical Investing, Elliston, Regal Funds Management, all crowded onto your share registry. Clearly, there's something a lot more than just call recording. What is it that you guys do at Dubber? So, put simply, we are the call recording, but the data capture platform for telcos, for service providers globally. So, what that means is that um, large telcos all around the world are looking to add value-added services to their portfolio. And, of course, the DNA of any telco are the calls that are going across its, net, its network. So what we do is we sit inside the network. We can scale and to meet any uh, amount of users or any requirement on that network, and we capture that DNA, turn it into data, and present it and make it available for businesses or individuals to use how they like for, um, for convenience or for business outcomes. So we turn voice calls into data. Product number one is call recording, for which there's a huge market. But really, there's endless outcomes in terms of how, you know, the content-rich nature of voice data can be can drive outcomes for uh, for businesses and even individuals. And so we do that on a global basis with some of the, with the largest telcos in the world. Uh, okay, 
Well, Steve, I'm not warm and fuzzy just yet about Dubber, um, but I think there's a lot more that we need to unpack um, uh, today. So I'm just going to probe you with, uh, with with a bit more, a few more targeted questions, just to try and better understand how a call recording company has a $200 million valuation and has some of the uh, the, the, the toughest and most uh, experienced investors uh, on the registrar. So help me and listeners just understand a little bit about this Melbourne-based company that's playing on the global stage. Yeah, so if we go back to the Telstra announcement, which you referred to at the start of the uh, interview, um, the, the excitement for us on a, like that's that's representative of a model that's completely replicable uh, globally so let's let's have a look at telstra we are on their business network so in our announcement it's something called uh, tippet which is their uh, business voice platform we're also on their sip connect platform which hosts uh, you know many of their business customers as well but we're connected into the mobile as well but via their liberate platform so we believe that artificial intelligence or AI, which is a scary word really if you don't know much about it, will be delivered from telco networks globally within the next few years and I can give you some examples of that um, as we go through the interview. So if you think that Telstra is a large uh, telephone company, which it is and it's dominant here in Australia, I think in our quarterly reports we've also mentioned that we expect to be on the networks of all of the top uh, service providers in the US and you know someone like Verizon for example has 150 million mobiles as opposed to, which is 10 times what Telstra have. So that gives you an idea of the scale of the opportunity. And I guess our challenge at the moment is the opportunity is huge. The business um, obviously is a lot smaller uh, than that opportunity. And, and I guess what we've been doing over the last few months is, is growing that business to to start to scale to meet those demands as well. So it's a long, it's a longer term play in terms of, you know, if we look forward, say, three years, we'd expect to be on a large number of telco networks. It's a very dominant position once we're on there. It's hard for us to see how we would come off once people start turning their phone calls into data and integrating it into their, for example, CRMs. So it's a very, very dominant position. I think anyone who understands the land grab um, realises the size of the opportunity. So how many telcos are you on at the moment? So we we have agreement. Um, I think we've, we've made publicly uh, aware that we have agreements with 120-odd um, Obviously, there's a pipeline behind that as well. We're actually active on about 60 at the moment. So there are various levels of deployment time, some of which is in our control, some of which is slightly out of our control. And so, again, you know, come back to in three years' time, we would look to be on a significant um, number of telco networks globally. And the number of, you know, the numbers of users on those networks are the addressable market's enormous. And uh, we think we've got the ability a service that will become a standard feature on on every um, phone service. We think, we think transcription, for example, the ability to transcribe calls, I mean, you can do it on your mobile, but that doesn't actually sync in with the rest of your business or, you know, that data is unusable except on a person-to-person basis. So to actually have a platform that enables, you know, the world's largest enterprises via their service provider to have insights on their business, um, to beyond call recording, but actually true insights, it's never-ending user cases, and to be able to do that across a global network of uh, telephony providers is that's where the opportunity is. All right, Steve, I I can see the benefit in a highly regulated business. Um, let's say a financial services provider, as a as a pretty vanilla example, yeah. wanting to record and transcribe uh, phone calls. Yeah, 
Um, but what I don't understand just yet is how AI can be overlaid into this. Can you give me an example of a user on a telco network that would benefit from it apart from just transcription? Sure. So um, at the moment, uh, one of our partners in the US has, I'll, I'll give you probably an example which you wouldn't expect with a small, what looks like a small retail opportunity, but it really expresses what we do in terms of deploying our platform and its unique nature and also the outcomes. So we, we have a uh, telco partner in New York and they have just finalized or finished a proof of concept with a retail chain in America. And that retail chain is a uh, auto spare parts business. So they sell uh, mufflers and they sell car parts in retail stores. And so all this business wanted when it was approached by its telco sales rep um, was sentiment, just to understand do the customers like dealing with that store? Also, what keywords are they? What are people asking for on phone calls? Do they have enough stock? Are they asking for competing products? Do they run out of stock where somebody might, they might get 20, 30 requests a day and that might have an impact? The knowledge of that might have an impact on their logistics going forward. So what we did was we presented a dashboard, um, and this only happened last week when I was over in the US. We presented a dashboard and it showed sentiment fluctuating on the 25 stores that um, we were doing the proof of concept with so they could see each of those stores individually how well they were going on the phone calls it gave them the keywords that they prescriptively were looking for and it gave them a lot more insights on the business that they weren't expecting as well so in it they're not listening to phone calls they're not listening to recordings they're not looking at recordings they just want a business intelligence tool that shows them how their business is going and for each store, I think through the um, through the telco was charging them somewhere around 150 bucks a store per month. For 150 dollars a month in a store, uh, to have an insight on exactly how your business is going is uh, obviously something that they would see as being valuable. So that there's a, there's a, a really easy explanation of a of a retail application. And then, of course, what it moves up to is it moves up to financial services companies who might want to integrate the data into their trading platforms or their CRMs. So that you know, if um, if a stock goes up by five percent, you punch the code into your CRM or um, rather than Dubber, and all the phone calls you've had over the last few months quoting that stock and, a, and maybe a percentage shift come up, and there's your next hundred and fifty calls if you're a broker. So there's there's two examples at either end, neither of which, neither of which really relate to. The traditional understanding of call recording. Yeah, well, Steve, thanks for that. It, it, it makes it a lot clearer in in my mind about how you know value can be extracted going forward. You've got this, uh, you know, sixty odd telcos at the moment, a pipeline of you know more than a hundred, but it's more than just the telcos who are your strategic partners. You've also got hardware providers like Cisco, and you've got AI companies like IBM. What Talk, talk to us about this ecosystem of stakeholders that you've got. Yeah, so it, it comes back to the unique. Pe people say to us, you know, why is Dubber so unique? Why is it why is it different to other call recording companies and platforms, etc.? And of course, you can imagine we get um, requests for comparisons against uh, lots of comp competitors. So the the difference is that call recording companies are traditionally aimed at the enterprise first. So they look at a bank or they look at a business and build something usually uh, directed at contact center, scales to meet the needs of that contact center, and then they wrap around a whole load of tools to, to drive value. And it's usually either on-premise or it's hosted. And um, 
What we did is we decided to build a platform that operates and provides services and connectivity exactly the way that a telco would, would actually provision its own services. So anyone anywhere on a network can actually order the service in any volume. We don't need to know about it. There's no strategic project. It just gets switched on immediately as you would expect any telco service to happen. So that is the unique aspect of what we do. And because of that, and because we got started getting traction with one or two of the major players globally, we've been very fortunate to be chosen by Cisco um, into their own transformation project, which is WebEx Calling. And so WebEx Calling, Cisco have uh, approximately 94 million handsets around something called Call Manager or HCS and uh, you know globally. And they also have probably the largest um, dealer network globally as well. And so our platform built into their WebEx calling offering enables any user globally to switch on call recording immediately without us even having to know about it. It just gets provisioned immediately. So we're very fortunate to have been chosen by Cisco for that because they're a world leader. With IBM, part of the secret source of the platform or, or one of its key technologies is the fact that it's against other call recording platforms where, which are closed, our platform is actually open. So we capture the data, it's in a usable file, we present it, and obviously we enable third-party companies to come and connect to it, use it for their own benefit. But in the middle of that, uh, you've referenced IBM, and we do have a commercial relationship with IBM where we work on customers together, we work on outcomes together for the AI. And so a classic example with IBM in this country would be, now that we have Telstra um, announced, there are banks obviously in this country who IBM provide managed services to, um, who are looking for not just recording in places they've never been able to get it before, like mobile, but also outcomes across the whole business. And that's where IBM will come in with their with their team, and uh, they help us with the customers as well because they've got the who's who list globally of, um, of major enterprises. So this uh, this AI in particular, you know, IBM Watson, you know, it gets it gets me thinking. Steve McGovern, I, I know that you've got a, a law background, but you've you've never practiced law, as I understand. <laughs> um, but um, you know you've had a, a a pretty solid career in you know pay TV, which then merged into telco, which now seems to be merging into AI. Yeah, you're also chairman of another ASX listed AI company that plays on the global stage. Uh, that's uh, Linus. Yeah, um, I'm not the chairman anymore, but um, I'm, I'm on the board. Yes, I used to be the chairman when it, when it first listed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So certainly, you know, you you've got great visibility over some of the developments that are happening in AI. I mean, yeah. uh, Linus obviously works in a very different space to you. Yeah. Uh, but certainly, you know, they have uh, a big R and D project that runs in 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 AI. Um, Steve, can you talk to us about Dubber's R and D programs and some of the product feature set that you might that's in development or what's what's the future stage of, of, of these products likely to look? Well, I think um, AI is a really interesting term. Um, so I'll give you a recent example. We did a, a small business TV show with, uh, with Channel 7 early on in the year um, called Bricks and Clicks. And we, we were asked to come in and talk to these small businesses about artificial intelligence. And it was, it was filmed um, seemingly on the fly where we'd walk around the corner of a building into a uh, canteen where they were all having a break, these small businesses. And when we walked around the corner, they were all stuck against the back wall in fear. And uh, I had to stop the recording and I said, uh, 
what's wrong? What, what are we? What are we doing? And um, one of the ladies who ran a, a small business said, um, "Well, we thought you were going to come and show us robots that were going to take over our jobs." <laughs> so the um, which when when you're close to something like AI, you think, "Well, that's an interesting viewpoint." But of course, when you're not. The, the perception of AI is it's built by big companies for big companies. Um, we just view AI and we view what we do in conjunction with AI, and we're the data capture platform that presents the data. It's about convenience. So I'll give you probably a consumer example that you wouldn't expect. So at the moment, um, you know, if you call me, I get most of my calls when I'm in the car to and from work. If you actually request a meeting with me in my office at 2.30 on a specific date, we, the, your words, without me doing anything, can create a calendar invite into my calendar. So there's an example of a really simple tool that's got mass appeal um, that makes an individual person's life a bit more convenient. That's, that's the starting position for AI, and it's those kind of applications or feature sets um, that we look to create. And now I don't mean create in terms of develop, so we'll do, we, we, are, we are doing some of our own widgets, if you want to call it that, but we'll never truly be an AI development house ourselves. What we do is we present the data in formats and in ways that make those applications easy to build. And I think, um, you know, probably if you look around uh, the investment um, environment at the moment, there are, there are many, many companies coming into the AI field looking for investment, uh, whether it be publicly listed companies or private companies. And all of those companies, in order for their AI to work, need data. Um, as when it comes to voice, we're the voice data capture platform for hundreds of telcos globally. That's the, it comes back to the big picture. So we present the data that these AI companies can use. So we do some our own, um, such as a calendar invite. We have a business assurance um, product in, actually in production right now, whereby if you are running a business and you've got five key clients and one of your people has a negative phone call with one of your clients that your employee is probably not going to tell you it's probably going to try and fix it off his own back well you can actually set a notification which lets you know that that particular important um stakeholder of yours has had a negative call with one of your people now if that sounds a bit big brother probably is um, but in terms of a business application for a business owner it's just a simple notification and obviously you can then go and look at the transcripts of the call or you can go and talk to your employee so it's those kind of um, consumer and business outcomes that are really simple in their usability it isn't about robots taking people's jobs not not from us anyway yeah and so your uh, the end users of your products are they subscribing directly with you or are they just are you reselling it through the telco partners yeah, so all apart from three of our telco partners at the moment are wholesale. So, you know, in, in the Netherlands, for example, the national carrier is KPN. So we wholesale um, our service to KPN and then they, they add it to their suite of services and then sell it to their customers. So in the Netherlands, the customers think they're using a KPN recording service. And most of our users at the moment are for call recording, um, um, partly because whilst I know the story inside out and have the vision, uh, telcos just have a need to be able to offer call recording uh, off their network um, when they're trying to transform um, companies with contact center into you know, their digital uh, telephony network. Well, certainly uh, you, you are getting some great traction. You've got sales re- revenue uh, you know, doubling year on year. Yeah. Um, is, that, uh, is that likely a trend we're going to continue to see? 
Oh, I'm hoping it's. Um, I was. I was. I was talking to um, some funds in America last week when I was in Dallas, and um, you know, one of the things you do is offer to go through the quarterly as well. And interestingly, all three of them said, "Well, we're not really interested in that because we actually think this company's at, at its start and it's um, still in its concept stage." Um, I would hope that whatever traction we have today, which is obviously positive. Um, is irrelevant to the, you know, the future outcome of the company. The story itself is obviously a very large one. The company is a mile away from delivering on it in terms of um, you know executing the whole opportunity. And um, so, what we're doing in the middle is making sure that we we build we build out a company from um, being a founder business to a global company that's got some scale into it. So. The last three or four months really has seen us add on an executive layer. Um, we're very fortunate because we managed to attract people who we've actually done business with on the other side of the fence. So in America, we have um, customers like AT&T, we have Cisco, and some of their uh, executives have chosen to come and join Dubbo, which is flattering and encouraging and um and uh, you know, gives us a gives us a great layer of executives to build on. So that's really what we've done in the past three or four months, as we as we move from being a Melbourne-based company uh, with offices in Dallas, Atlanta, and London to actually scaling up to meet the opportunities, particularly around Cisco and also Telstra and its replicable models globally as well. You know, there's a bit of work in, in managing these uh, accounts, obviously. So all of these assumptions that you've made around the sales traction, which I understand was um, the precedent for the $20 million capital raise you did in April, yeah. it seems like all of these assumptions are starting to be validated. Um, yeah. And, yeah. Look, Steve, this has been really insightful for me and I hope for our listeners to um, to hear a little bit more about Dubber, another very, very exciting technology company out of Australia that's playing on the global stage and you describe it as the data capture platform for telcos globally. Um, I think um, it, it's, it's very clear that that's the land grab that you've got. Steve, I wish you continued success in the way that this is going and uh, thanks very much for dropping by and uh, taking the time to talk with us here. Pleasure, absolutely a pleasure. Thank you very much.